Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is the place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. Sometime after the establishment of the State of Israel in 1948, Ben Hecht, the prolific author of books, short stories, Broadway shows, Hollywood films, also nominated for six Academy Awards. He won two of them. He stood in front of a packed house at Slapsy Maxie's Cafe in Los Angeles. It was a place at least partly owned by the gangster Mickey Cohen. Heck's task that evening was to increase awareness of the Zionist cause and specifically to raise money for the Irgun, the Zionist underground paramilitary organization. In Heck's own words, I addressed a thousand bookies, ex-prize fighters, gamblers, jockeys, all sorts of lawless and semi-lawless characters and their women folk. The speech went on for 45 minutes in which he hit on some of the classical themes of Zionism. He said a Jewish nation will remove our mystery and give us origins, permit us to thrive in a world on an equal footing with other nationals. A David stands against a Goliath. I ask you Jews, buy him a stone for his slingshot. By the end of the evening, Hecht raised $200,000. By the way, that's more than $3 million, give or take, in 2023 dollars. It's an amazing story. Hecht is an often forgotten character in the narrative of the establishment of the Jewish state. And, what, and yet, when you learn more about him, there's nothing in his early years that would have suggested that he would become an activist for the Jewish cause or for Zionist causes or be the, only, or be the one standing on the stage at Slapsy Maxis raising money for the Irgun. While Kristallnacht, the two-day pogrom, would open the door for Hecht to take up the Jewish cause, to write about the suffering of the Jew in Europe, challenging, by the way, the Jewish establishment's muted response to the events in Europe. It was a chance encounter with one man who would alter the course of Ben Heck's life. In 1941, he said he was walking down the street and he bumped into history. What he bumped into or who he bumped into, was a man named Peter Bergson, who had read some of Heck's writings and was inspired by his willingness to challenge Jews to step up and respond to the events in Europe, both as Americans and as Jews. Bergson's real name, by the way, was Hillel Cook. His uncle was, yes, Rav Cook, the first Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Palestine. He was a disciple of Zeb Jabotinsky, the revisionist Zionist leader. He had come to an 
to America as an emissary of the Irgun, tasked with raising money and support for a Jewish army. After repeated efforts by Bergson to meet with him, Bergson pestered Hecht over and over. Hecht finally agreed to have a drink with him. And this meeting changed the course of Ben Hecht's life. He would write about it later. I had no notion on that day of April in 1941 that any such collision with history was taking place. Bergson asked Heck to become the American leader of the Irgun's cause. He reluctantly agreed to become the chairman or the co-chairman of the Committee for a Jewish Army and soon after gave his first speech to over a thousand people in Hollywood, not by the way the same speech he gave that I referenced at the beginning. Hecht would say about that evening, it was a night that was to alter my life as completely as if I had changed my name and moved to another land. I want to push pause on this moment, on this meeting that took place that day in 1941, and appreciate the fork in Ben Hecht's life. Because Hecht could have taken this meeting he could have listened to Bergson's passionate Zionist case, and he could have said, Peter, I'm with you. I support you. I believe in the justice of the cause. I'll continue to write articles, follow the events in Europe closely, but I'm not your guy. I'm just a screenwriter. He could have said, this moment, it's not my fate. Instead, he said, this moment with Europe on fire, with Jews being murdered, with the possibility of a Jewish homeland actually in reach after thousands of years. He said, this moment is my destiny. And that decision, more than his two Academy Awards, more than all the books and short stories that he wrote, that would become, at least for us, the legacy of Ben Hecht. In a few minutes, we will recite the Unatana Tokev, the, litur the liturgical crescendo of these days of all. And this morning, as we continue to honor the legacy, the memory of Rabbi Harold Kushner and his towering rabbinic legacy, I want to share with you one of his teachings about this complicated and complex prayer that totally changed how I understand this piece of liturgy. So a question, what do you think we are saying when we recite this prayer? Maybe you thought we were saying, God, when you write out the story of our lives for the coming year, make it a good one, right? Make it like a good Hollywood screenplay. Keep it simple. Make it end well. In other words, what I think we think we are saying is that this prayer is saying that God decides. God writes down what kind of year we are to have, and then we go out and we live. But I don't think that's what the prayer is saying. As Rabbi Kushner says, it doesn't really say that God decides what happens to us. It says that the summary of the plot is in our handwriting. God sits in judgment. The book of life is open. Imagine the scene. God opens it to our page. And the Machzor says, 
The entries are in our handwriting. We write the stories of our lives. We script the narratives of the year. Not God. Not fate. We write the script. Yes, there are things that we can't decide. Yes, the second half of the prayer does in fact say that there are things that are out of our control. Whether the hurricane comes ashore in our town, whether I'm diagnosed with some kind of life-threatening illness, we don't decide those things. We know that. But what we do with the life we are given, how we respond to good moments in our lives and the challenging moments, how we arrange our priorities, whether we make time in our lives for that which is truly important, whether we live our lives, as Rabbi Kushner says, in such a way that God will take notice and be pleased with the kind of people that we have grown to be. We decide that. We write the story of our lives. That is Chotem Yad Kol Adambo. That is literally what it says. We put our seal on it. The Unatana Tokev represents the give and take between fate and destiny. It's really the essence of the human condition. Fate is the stuff that happens beyond our power. Destiny, however, is how we respond to fate by the choices that we will make. Our life is not judged by events, but by our reaction to them. Our good name, our character, are formed by the choices that we will make in those moments. And with courage, we can choose how to face those challenging moments and live with them. On that day in 1941, fate brought Ben Hecht and Peter Bergson together. Now, I'm not sure what it was, but something in that drink that they had, somewhere in that moment, something clicked in Hecht. And he saw that moment as his Unatanatokev moment. Jews were being slaughtered on the European continent. How would he respond to this fateful moment? What story would he tell with the years that were granted to him? The world was not going to save us. We know that. No country would take us in, even with the full knowledge of what was happening in the camps. In hindsight, the American Jewish establishment was far too cautious in their efforts to galvanize the government and the public to respond. As Rick Richmond writes in a fabulous book, And None Shall Make Them Afraid, he said, Rabbi Stephen Wise's repeated meetings and longtime friendship with President Roosevelt produced nothing in way of practical measures. It would take Ben Hecht, an individual with no connections to the Roosevelt administration, no support from Jewish institutions to write articles, to produce full-page newspaper ads, stage a nationwide pageant that would produce a belated reaction in 1944, finally, from the Roosevelt administration. Ben Hecht chose to stage the pageant We Will Never Die at Madison Square Garden in March of 1943. It was a spectacle, memorializing, honoring the Jews who were being killed and murdered in Europe. It was seen by over 40,000 people that night. It was staged twice, and then it went on the road 
another 60,000 people around the country saw this pageant. And by the way, Hecht was condemned by Rabbi Wise, who essentially said to him, please, I'm being polite, cease and desist speaking for the Jewish people, at which point Hecht, this was a phone call, Hecht promptly hung up the phone. Post-World War II, Ben Hecht chose to publicly advocate for the establishment of the Jewish state by producing a play on Broadway called A Flag is Born, starring a young, yet not famous, Marlon Brando. An extraordinarily pro-Israel, pro-Zionist production that ran for four weeks, raising $4.1 million in today's currency. The profits were donated to the Irgun, at that time led by Menachem Begin. This is how Ben Hecht found himself that evening at Slapsy Maxi's Cafe in 1948, speaking for 45 minutes to gangsters, prize fighters, gamblers. And he concluded his remarks that evening by saying, there was never any cause in Jewish history like this one. If we lose, it will because we, because we, not them, were too small for the hour of Jewish destiny. Ben Hecht is as good as an example as any, as a person in Jewish history who courageously stood up to transform fate into destiny, who left the sidelines for the barricades. He may not be a familiar name to us, but his legacy was great. And it's what brought Begin to America in 1964 for his funeral, where he eulogized Ben Hecht, saying Ben Hecht was a man who wielded his pen like a drawn sword and who did so much for the Jewish people and for the redemption of Israel. The Chotem Yad, Kol Adam Bo, the entries in our book of life, in the book of life are in our own handwriting. What will the story of your life be in 5784? When will you say to yourself, I'm going to push pause. I'm going to stop. And I'm going to think about how I will respond to whatever life throws my way. Will you be a person of fate? Or will you be a person of destiny? And what will that moment be in the year ahead when you'll make that choice. For some, it may be as consequential as changing the trajectory of history, the history of this country, the history of Israel, making an impact on, for example, anti-Semitism on college campuses. There are people in this room who have the ability to have that kind of influence in so many different kinds of ways. For some, it will be a moment of transforming our own personal story. I can remember the times in my life, the blessings and the challenges and the accompanying choices when they were directly in front of me, deciding to go to rabbinical school, a marriage ending, new professional opportunities before me, the chance to love again presenting itself. As I said last night, it happened right downstairs in the lower level at a Shabbat dinner. How would I choose 
to respond. It's always easy to choose the status quo, to protect yourself, to take the path of least resistance. But that's not how you write your own story. That's not how you create your own destiny. Yom Kippur is, after all, a holiday of second chances, celebrating our human capacity to carve out a new existence, to make amends, to fix relationships, to live courageously, embrace life's lessons, repair our flaws, and better fulfill our obligations to our community and to God. And should you think that those kinds of moments, those interpersonal moments, while they aren't really significant destiny-forming moments, I want you to consider for a moment the story of Martin Buber. Now, Rabbi Cosgrove and I have both mentioned that this year is the 100-year anniversary of the publication of his book, I and Thou, which lays out his philosophy that God is to be found in human relationships but what you might not know is what was the inspiration for Buber composing this book. As a young scholar, he was hard at work editing a mystical text when his doorbell rang. An anxious, a distraught young man asked if he could speak with Buber. Buber invited him inside. They sat down. They talked. Buber was distracted. He wasn't really present. He answered the questions. But as he said, I didn't try to answer the questions that he didn't ask. A short time later, Buber learned that the man had died, apparently by taking his own life. Buber said later, not long after, I learned from one of his friends that he had come to me, not casually, not for a chat, but for a decision. You can imagine how devastated Buber was to learn how his indifference contributed in some way to this man ending his life, but rather be rendered powerless by this knowledge. The meeting's aftermath shook Buber to the core and changed him forever. Out of this transformative experience, as a result of this experience, he wrote I and Thou, which encapsulated his philosophy of religious living and emphasized the significance of authentic, meaningful, human connections. That book, emerging from that experience, changed lives, and I believe it changed the world. Fate and destiny. We know that we can't control the unexpected challenges that will come our way in the year ahead, but we can control how we will respond to live with them to choose destiny. It requires that we live courageously, that we see ourselves as the authors of the book of life, and that we decide what to do with the time that is granted to us. May 5784 be a year when we, inspired by people like Ben Hecht and Martin Buber, choose to use the time given to us to be people of destiny. And next year, God willing, when the book of our lives are opened on these days of all, may we feel proud about what is there on the page 
engraved in our own handwriting. I wish you all a Gemar Chatimatova. May we be sealed in the book of life for a year of peace, a year of happiness, and a year of good health. Shana Tova. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah, Hallelujah.